No special in a short sermon tonight. How good is that? You're going to get out early. I would say beat everyone else to the restaurant, but it's Sunday night, so that's not going to help you any. But turn, if you would, tonight to Nehemiah chapter 9. Nehemiah chapter 9. I've told Susie before, I am convinced, and and I'm somewhat joking, but I'm somewhat serious whenever I say this. I am somewhat convinced that Satan reads my notes. And and not just my notes, but I think any preacher who's trying to preach the Word of God, uh, I, I think Satan reads the notes of preachers and teachers, Sunday school teachers, youth workers, uh, lay people, etc. Because I am convinced there are times that the spiritual battle for people is more intense than at other times. Based on what they might be confronted with by way of the Word of God, if they were confronted with the Word of God. And uh, I don't say that for any reason tonight other than, you know, ah shucks. I wish we had more people here tonight, but it is what it is. And uh, you're going to get the sermon, and I hope that it's a help to you. Thank you. Amen. Hey, I appreciate it. I appreciate the affirmation. I I truly do. I just... uh, you know, it's just one of those things you can't help but be a little bit heart-heavy sometimes whenever you think, ah, this could be a help. But nonetheless, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer and we'll get started. Father, it is good to be here in your house tonight. Lord, I'm thankful, Lord, for each person who is here. And God, I pray that you would use this message to be a help to us. There is certainly the potential uh, for it to be a help to each of us tonight if we'll let it. God, there's no doubt in my mind that there are some in our church family uh, just won't be exposed to it tonight and and i hate that but nonetheless it's just it is what it is and so lord i pray that you'd bless our time together and god that you'd use this uh, to be a help in our spiritual lives i pray this now in jesus name amen well i know that most of you know this but it's been in the last couple of services or sermons that we have watched as the wall of of judah or israel was jerusalem i need to be more specific the wall was rebuilt and and was put back together and we know that as a result of that the children of israel wanted to assemble around the word of god and and there was a time of celebrating there was a time of rejoicing there was a time when they were uh just enjoying what god had done for them and and then we watched as they realized they had not been obedient to the law of god in some areas of their spiritual lives and so they made that effort to be obedient and then last week it was in verse number one that we read in the 24th day of the same month that the children of Israel were assembled with fasting and with sackcloth and earth upon them. And so there was a time of weeping or a time of grieving and sorrow over the sin of, their, uh, of their, their nation, who they were as a people. And as we went through the passage, as we looked at some verses, we eventually came to verse number 33. And what the people, the spiritual leaders said of God was this, is that God had done right by them. It was they who had done wickedly. And as a result of that, in verse number 33, they said this, How be it, thou art just in all that is brought upon us. So of the judgment that God had brought upon them, of the discipline that God had brought upon them, there was an awareness on the part of many in Israel that we deserved everything that we got. And so last week I tried to remind us, whenever we stray away from who God is, the punishment is going to come. 
It has to come because God loves us, and so whom he loves, he chastens. And whenever the chastisement comes, it's not enjoyable. It never is. But we've got to be reminded of this, that we are always deserving of the chastisement of God. Anytime God disciplines us, however God chooses to discipline us, we deserve it. His chastisement, His discipline is always, always just. And we struggle to remember that sometimes because we think, well, I didn't deserve that. Uh, yes, we did. Uh, we deserved it or else God would not have brought that into our lives because God is always right. It is us who does wickedly. And whatever he has to do to get our attention, we are worthy and we are deserving of that. And so tonight we're going to move on and we're going to look at just a few more verses here in chapter 9. Before we do, I want to share a story with you. And I don't know to what extent you'll be able to identify with this. I think some of you will say, I know exactly what you're talking about. I think others of you might be too self-righteous to admit that you know what I'm talking about. But I think we all know what I'm about to talk about, okay? Susie and I uh, have been married now 23 years in one day, all right? Yesterday was our 23rd anniversary, and uh, I'm thankful for the years that God has given us. But several months ago, we came to a point in our marriage over a particular issue where there was what I would call some pretty serious friction. All right. Uh, again, some of you may not be able to identify with that, but the honest people can. Uh, you know, every once in a while in your marriage, you, you come to these places, you come to these moments, you come to these situations where there is some friction, where there is some tension, where it is, it is real, it is not just conjured up. You can tell we ain't getting along too good right now. You ever been there? Thank you. All right. Yes. Now, I don't know why it lasted as long as it did, but the tension lasted for a couple of weeks. Just that tension between she and I over this particular situation, I wasn't going to budge and she wasn't going to budge. And so it was one of those things, you know, who was going to blink first? Because I was being stubborn and she was being stubborn. Our pride was certainly getting in the way. Amen. So that in mind... As this went on for at least two weeks, if not more, I want you to understand, and you know this, what it's like, again, in those two weeks, two and a half weeks, whatever it was, we did all the things that we had done prior to this point of contention. Meaning we still took walks in the evening like we had done before we reached this point of contention. We would still go out to lunch, or I would still take her out to dinner. We would spend time with church family, just like we had done so many times before. We were doing everything that we had done before, but here was the difference. We weren't enjoying it. We were going on a walk, but that's all it was, is it was just a walk. 
If she talked to me, I gave her very short answers. Uh-huh. Yes. Nope. Basically saying, stop talking. I don't need to hear you right now for me to be happy. If I was speaking to her and she wasn't really in the mood to hear my lovely voice, she didn't respond with the most warmth back to me. So we may have gone for a walk, but it was just a walk. We may have gone out to eat, but that's all it was, was just ordering a meal and eating. We were not enjoying each other because we were at odds with one another. And if you've ever been in a situation like that, if you know what I'm talking about, here's what you know. That is a miserable position to be in. To be sitting across the table from someone you don't even want to look at, that's a miserable position to be in. Brother Kyle, you're admitting to that? I'm just being honest with this. I didn't want to look at her, and she didn't want to look at me. I didn't want to talk to her. She didn't want to talk to me. And, and by the grace of God, we got through that, and we like each other again. I'm just saying, there we were, doing everything that we had always done, but we weren't enjoying it like we could have and should have. Now, as you think about that this morning, or this evening rather, I, I want us to look in the first part, or the middle part rather, the middle part of verse number 35. In the middle part of verse number 35, we read these words, Thy great goodness. Now, we're going to look at all this in the next few moments, but but I want us to just notice this real quick, that it is written of and it is spoken of thy great goodness. So whenever it speaks here of thy great goodness, I think most of us know who thy is a reference to. It is a reference to the goodness of God, correct? This is a reference to the goodness of God. And so as the goodness of God is being referenced, we understand that that's, that's talking about the benevolence of God, the goodness of God, the kindness of God in, in the lives of the people of Israel. And it's referred to not as just the goodness of God, but it's also referred to as the great goodness of God. And so it's an abundant measure of goodness. It is a, an overwhelming measure of goodness. It is something that was abounding. And so here they are, the spiritual leaders and those who had assembled on that particular day, they are recalling the great goodness of God in their lives. They're going to also reference the large land that was presented to them. The, the good land that was given to them, if you read in the middle part toward the last part of verse number uh, 36, it says, For the land that thou gavest unto our fathers to eat the fruit thereof and the good thereof. It's talking about in verse number 5 also, that's where I skipped over it on accident. It says, In the large and fat land which thou gavest before them. So it's talking about the goodness of God, the great goodness of God, and the large and fat of the, the fat land that they were the recipients of. And so here are the children of Israel reminding themselves of the great goodness of God in their lives. As you consider that, look in verse number 34. 
It says, Neither have our kings, our princes, our priests, nor our fathers kept thy law, nor hearkened unto thy commandments, and thy testimonies wherewith thou didst testify against them. For they have not served thee in their kingdom, and in thy great goodness that thou gavest them, and in the large and fat land which thou gavest before them, neither turned they from their wicked works. So in verses 34 and 35, what are they saying? They're saying this, that in spite of everything you gave us, and in spite of everything you provided for us, here is what is true of our kings, of our princes, of our priests, and our forefathers. Here is what they did not do. They did not keep the law. What does it mean to keep the law? It just means this, to be obedient to the Word of God. What the Word of God has said, what the Word of God has declared, they did not keep it. They did not observe it. They did not practice it. They did not do as they had been commanded. So it says, they did not hearken unto thy commandments, which just means they didn't listen, and thy testimonies, which thou didst testify against them. And they say again in verse number 35, that they have not served thee in their kingdom, and they did not turn away from their wicked works. And so all they're doing is being honest with the situation that if you were to look back over the course of Israel's history, that regardless of how good they had been blessed, regardless of how, how much God had blessed them and prospered them and giving them so many things, they failed to be obedient to God's word. Now, we'll say more about this, or I'll say more about it in just a moment, but I, I want us to look in verse number 36, because this is interesting. It says, Behold, we are servants this day. I don't know about you, but I never really thought about that until this week. They declare that they are servants on that particular day. Have you stopped to think about this in times past? And maybe you did, and maybe I'm just the one who missed this. But, but have you ever considered the fact that if it had not been for the grace that God showed toward Nehemiah when he sought permission to rebuild the wall from the king of an opposing nation, this wall would have never been rebuilt? The people of Israel did not have the freedom to do what they wanted to do, and they didn't have the resources to do what they wanted to do. The only reason that they were able to do this is because of God's goodness to them and granting them this measure of grace that allowed them to do this. But even in the midst of the rebuilding process, you know what they were? They were still subject to the authority of another kingdom, of another nation, of another people. Israel was not a sovereign people at this time. So whenever they say, Behold, we are servants this day, they're not exaggerating and they're not dramatizing the situation. That is truly where they are at. They are servants to another people, another kingdom, another nation. And notice what they said next. And for the land that thou gavest unto our fathers to eat... The land that thou gavest unto our fathers to eat the fruit thereof and the good thereof, behold, we are servants in it. We live in a land of plenty. It's a large land, they said. It's a fat land. It's a plenteous land. It gives us everything we need, but we're servants in it. 
And so then in verse number 37, it says this, And it yieldeth much increase unto the kings whom thou hast set over us. For what reason? Because of our sins. You know what they're saying? You know what they're declaring? And you know what they're admitting? Yes, the land does bring forth much increase, but you know who gets to take advantage of it? The kings that you have appointed over us because we're servants to someone else. And all of this is not the result of misfortune or bad luck. They said this is because of our sin. This is because of our transgression. This is because of our wickedness. This is because of our ungodliness. They go on to say in verse number 37, Also, they have dominion over our bodies. What does that mean? It means this, they've got authority over us. We are not a free people. We are not a sovereign people. We are not free to do whatever we want to the extent that we want it. Yes, some freedoms have been granted, but any time they want to step in and say that's enough, guess what? The other authority had the power and the ability to do so. So they're just saying, listen, they have dominion over our bodies and over our cattle at their pleasure. You know what they're saying? They can do to us whatever they want to, whenever they want. We don't have the freedom really to decide many things for ourselves. So notice how the verse concludes. It says, and we are in great distress. You know what they were acknowledging? This is miserable. This is not a fun position to be in. So here we are, the children of Israel say, has God been faithful? Yes, God's been faithful. Has God been good? Yes, God has been good. But because of our sins, here is what the reality is. We are servants in our own land. They have dominion over our bodies. They have dominion over, their ca- over our cattle. They can do to us whatever they want, whenever they want. And this is a miserable position to find ourselves in. So here are the children of Israel. And if I can try to summarize it this way, here's how I would say it. They are in the land that God gave them. And have they known the goodness of God? Yes, they had. They called it and identified it as the great goodness of God. But when they stepped back and looked at the situation they were in, you know what? They could not truly enjoy it the way they were supposed to be able to enjoy it because of sin in their lives. They spelled it out. This isn't me surmising this. This isn't me trying to come to some kind of acute conclusion. No, they said it's because of our sin. Because of our sin, we're not able to enjoy and take full advantage of what God has provided and what God has made available. And they say, because of this, we are in great distress. This is a miserable position to be in, having everything afforded to us, but not being able to enjoy it the way God designed it. Now, I don't know about you, but you can probably see where this message is headed. But, but whenever I saw this, I thought, my goodness. 
Is that not a great representation of how so many people live today? I mean, if you think about this, we live in a pretty large and fat land, do we not? We are living in a land of plenty. We are living in a land of bounty. We are living in a land that, that offers so much more to a people than we could ever really deserve or ever really need. And yet with everything provided to us as a nation, we are a people who it seems is incapable of enjoying everything that's made available. Have you ever noticed this? You can visit with people who have incredible jobs and they're not happy. They thought that it would be a source of great happiness. They thought it would be a source of great joy, but they're not enjoying and they're not able to really take full advantage of what the job has to offer. And, and I find that astounding that people can make big money, they can live well, and they're still not able to enjoy what's been made available to them. Have you ever known people like this? It, it's maybe not the, the financial resources they have and all that comes with that, but have you ever noticed that some people have the potential to have a family that should bring forth great joy? And they can't even seem to enjoy their family. Have, have we ever noticed that? You know, I mean, here's a husband, here's a wife, maybe they've got some kids. Uh, you know, you would think, hey, aren't you all happy? No. You're not? You, you live here in the United States and you've got good jobs and you've got good health, you've got good strength. Your children have health, your children have strength, and, and, and somehow with all the bounty of the land, you're not happy. You're not enjoying life. It's almost like they're servants in this land. It's almost like they don't have control over their own bodies and their own cattle and, and their own possessions. It's almost like to everything they still answer to the authority of something else. And as a result of that, they're not able to enjoy what they ought to be able to enjoy. You speak to people and they do this and they do that and they do this and they do that and... You talk to them and they almost seem resentful of what they've done. They come back griping. They come back upset. They come back dwelling on the negatives. And it's like, I mean, how could you not enjoy that? Have you ever noticed this? That there are some people that no matter what has been provided for them, they can't seem to enjoy it. How is it that we could live in the land of plenty? How is it that we could live in the land of bounty? Have all of this afforded to us as a nation and people be miserable? How is that possible? It's very simple. Because of sin. 
Yeah, you know, I, you know this. Sometimes the Bible is too simple. It really is. It's almost like, no, that couldn't be it. Uh-huh, it is. I mean, why does a multi-millionaire designer, why does she commit suicide one day in her New York apartment? Well, why does that happen? Well, it's not because of holiness and righteousness and godliness. I mean, if you're not sure of what I'm talking about, go home and Google suicidal designer and it'll pop up who I'm talking about. I'm just saying, well, why does that happen? It's because of sin. Why do non-celebrities who have everything available to them, why do they have to resort to the bottle? Why do they have to resort to drugs? Why do they have to, to try to find some kind of an escape from their reality? Friends, it's not because of their walk with God. It's because of sin. They, they are miserable individuals and everything that they have available to them, they're not able to enjoy it. It's because of sin, disobedience, to the Word of God. The, the people that you work with, you say, well, they're not rich. I understand, but they've got more than 99% than of the people in the world today. We are among the one percenters. They've got everything your co-workers do. And, and why are they miserable day after day after day? It's because of sin. It's disobedience to the Word of God. So it doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter what the quick highs it may provide for them. In the end, they don't enjoy any of it because of sin. And you know what? They are in great distress. They are miserable. Miserable, miserable individuals. Though everything has been made available to them, again, it's as though they are not their own. They are under the authority. They are under the hand of oppression from the enemy because of disobedience. You know, I've been there, you've been there in those situations where we want to just scream at people. If you would just do right, your life would get so much better than what it is right now. If you would just stop playing games, if you would just get serious about doing right, if you would stop trying to be in both worlds, the God world and the, and the worldly world, if you would stop messing around and just do right, you could enjoy life. We've, we've all wanted to tell people that, right? Isn't it amazing the number of people who, again, don't make that connection because it's just too simple? No, it's not that. I mean, you don't understand my situation. No, I do understand your situation, and I understand it perfectly clear. I'll say more about that in a moment, but no, I do understand your situation. I know why you're miserable. It's because of your sin. So you want to tell the coworker that. You want to tell the family member that. You, you want to tell the friend that. Listen, you are in this position because of your sin. And it doesn't matter how much more stuff you get and how many more things you do and how many more things you buy. Until you get right and start living right, you are going to be miserable. It's just that simple. 
How are we able to speak that with such authority? Because we've been there. Let's be honest, we've been there. How can you and I look at that co-worker, family member, neighbor, whoever it may be, how can you and I look at them in the eye and say with authority, the reason you're in this position is because of your sin? We can say it because we know it, because most of us, if we'd be honest, we've come out of it at some point in our lives. I'm just going to throw this out for consideration whether you want to believe it or not. Every one of us live in a home bigger than we deserve. Because really we don't deserve anything but just some shelter according to the Word of God. So every one of us, we've got more than what we deserve by way of shelter. Uh, Every one of us have a lot more raiment provided for us than what we deserve. Most of us could go through our closets, get rid of a whole lot and still have plenty. Most of us drive nicer cars than what we really deserve. Come on. And most of us experience far more of this world's pleasures than what we deserve. None of us are too deprived. Well, Brother Kyle, you just don't know. No, 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 no. Don't even go there. Let's visit some other countries and see how deprived we really are. Let's keep this in perspective. We are not deprived people. If anyone should be enjoying life, it should be us, right? Come on, we're children of God. It should be us who is enjoying life. And every one of us have had those moments where it didn't matter what home we were living in, it didn't matter what car we were driving, it didn't matter what clothes we were putting on our back, and it didn't matter what experience we just finished, we weren't enjoying it. Well, why not? I mean, we've got all the material possessions we could need. We have our health. We have our strength. We have our family. We have friends. We have church family. We have all these things available to us, and we're not enjoying it? How could that have ever happened to us? You know how it happened to us? Sin in our lives. It's, it's so simple it's not just the world who gets tripped up over this. The child of God sometimes gets tripped up over this. No, it, it's not sin. It's my job. No, it's not your job. It's sin. You're focusing on the wrong thing. Focus on what you've been given and stop worrying about everything else. It's sin that keeps us from enjoying this life that God's given us. And I'm as guilty of this as anybody. I'm not enjoying this. I'm not happy. I'm just going through the motions. This isn't fun. Well, then get the sin out of your life. Speaking to myself, don't, don't feel like I'm preaching at you tonight. Get the sin out of your life. And you know what's amazing? Whenever I start addressing whatever sin is in my life, I start enjoying things more that I had not been enjoying prior to that. 
whenever sin whenever sin has 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 become a part of my being i am incapable of enjoying everything that god's goodness has provided for me when i'm not listening whenever i'm not obeying whenever i'm not hearkening whenever i'm not yielding whenever i am still doing wrong it makes it impossible for me to enjoy what God's done for me. And the same is true for you. So those times that you're kicking and griping and grumbling and complaining and you know, the things we tend to do. I'm just saying, the things we tend to do. Come on. I'm not saying there aren't frustrations in life, but if you and I can't enjoy life in spite of the frustrations, friends, that's because of sin. Because we're supposed to have life and to have it more abundantly. That's kind of one of the perks of salvation is an abundant life in spite of a sinful world that we're a part of. And so this evening, as, as the message comes to a close, I would just say this, because it's possible, it's, it's just possible that someone would have to say, oh, man, maybe I should have been the one who missed tonight. I'm just going to ask us, though, are you enjoying life right now? Now, I'm not saying are you thrilled with every circumstance of life, because that will probably never be the case. Right? I mean, we're probably never going to reach a point where we say, man, everything is perfect right now. It's probably just not going to happen. But what I am asking you and what I have to ask myself is this. Of everything that God's provided for me, am I enjoying it? I live in a very blessed country. God has blessed me with a family God has blessed me with a church family. God has blessed me with so many things. If anyone ought to be enjoying life, it ought to be me, and it ought to be you. Are you enjoying life? Well, I would if... No, 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 that wasn't the question. Are you enjoying life? If yes, then that's fine. But if not, you've really got to look deep and ask yourself, why am I not enjoying life? Because it's not because of this and it's not because of that. Those are all just external things that are contributing to the overall situation. But there is a deeper, more significant reason why we're not enjoying life if we're not. Because of sin. It doesn't really matter what's going on right now. And I trust you understand the way that I'm, I'm trying to say this. It doesn't matter what every situation is. I can still enjoy life. And you can as well. If we are right with God. Are you enjoying life? Because if not, 
That's the consequence of sin. And so long as we choose to not deal with our sin, we will be in great distress. We will be miserable individuals. So how do we enjoy life regardless of where life has us? We get right with God and we just live in obedience. And it is amazing how that changes our perspective and our outlook on everything that comes our way. If you're not enjoying life, you got to ask, why not? Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, we come to you this evening. I pray that you would help us, Lord, to be men and women who would be willing to evaluate our overall attitude, our overall spirit toward the life that you've blessed us with, and, and Lord, that you'd help us to be honest with our outlook. Lord, there's not one of us in here this evening who ought to be miserable unless we have let sin become a part of our way of life. Lord, every one of us have known your great goodness. Every one of us have known your bounty. If we're not enjoying life, it's not because you haven't provided it. It's because of decisions we have made and are still making right now. So I pray that you'd bless the invitation tonight, that you'd do whatever needs to be done. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.